Our teeth are something we use every day for eating, communicating. They're a big part of our smile and they're important for our well-being. And I don't mean just our self-confidence or psychological well-being. In this program, we'll hear how important our teeth are for our overall health and how what is used to fill or repair them might be connected to a variety of health issues. I'm Graham Wilson, and thanks for joining us for Wellbeing. My guest today is Dr. Blanche D. Gruby. She joins us from Scranton, Pennsylvania, where she runs a practice that specialises in holistic dentistry. Dr. Gruby, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Graham. It's now, a pleasure. back in the 80s, I understand you received a, your doctorate to, this is where you learn to practice dentistry from the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, now Rutgers University, Correct. and it's a very prestigious medical school there, I know. Just take us on a journey since you first started practicing dentistry back then to what has changed in your dental practice now. Oh, it's like a journey around the world. Isn't that a big uh, question? I was, trained, yeah, I was trained very much as a conventional dentist. Um, so I learned to put in silver fillings, what we what we called silver fillings back then. Nobody ever really mentioned the word mercury. We were told there were silver fillings, there were amalgams. So we learned how to do that, and we learned how to do root canals, and we learned how to crown teeth. Um, this is the early 80s, so we really didn't get into implants back then. Implants is um, is more of a modern phenomenon now. Everybody's doing implants in the, in the year 2016, that's for sure. Um, so I graduated as a conventional dentist, and I was very happy doing the kind of dentistry that I was trained to do until 1992. So that's a full 10 years later after graduation. 1992, a woman came to me and gave me an article to read about mercury toxicity, and I was, I was just flabbergasted. I looked at the article, I looked at the bibliography, and I said, this can't not possibly be true. This can't be what they taught us in dentist school. This just can't be. So I took the article to my local librarian. Uh, we have a medical library here in Scranton. And I said, you know what, could you do me a favor? Just let me know if these, these journals are bogus or is, is, are these real journals? You know, like, for instance, the, uh, the Journal of Ionizing Chemistry. That really was you know, not one of my favorites. I didn't even know it existed. So the next day she gave me a stack of articles to read. And she says, yes, Dr. Ruby. She says, I thought uh, you'd be very interested in looking at these. So I, I went ahead and I printed them all out for you. So one of the articles talked about how mercury does come off the fillings and how it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and how it affects us, number one, emotionally, psychologically, neurologically. It affects our digestive system. It affects how we even think about ourselves. Everything to ultimately causing chronic problems, chronic medical problems that we call mystery problems. Uh, we don't know what the, what the cause is, and we certainly don't know what the cure is in conventional medicine. And I was shocked. At that point, I immediately called up Dr. Hal Huggins. I said, hey, listen, I want to learn about mercury toxicity. Now, Dr. Hal Huggins, yeah. you've mentioned he... he um was a, a, a campaigner, wasn't he, against the use of dental amalgam? Oh, yes. Okay. So just explain Very quickly what, so. for people who don't know, a dental amalgam, it's a, it's a blend basically of, of two main metals, isn't it? Silver and tin? No, five. Five? Yeah, five okay. main metals. Right, silver, tin, copper, zinc. But the main metal is 54, minimum, 54% mercury is a day it's put in the mouth. 
and that mercury continually comes off filling. Okay, now mercury, why do they use so much mercury? Uh, I don't know, I guess because you need that much mercury to hold it all together. Okay. All the rest is powders, powder of, of zinc, powder of silver, only 15% silver. Yeah. And the different brands uh, vary from 14.8% to 15.2%, but they're all around 15% silver. And you, you found Dr. Hal Huggins? Yes, I found Dr. Hal Huggins, who in 1984 had written a book called It's All in Your Head. And he thought that he was doing the American Dental Association a tremendous favor by uncovering the toxicity of mercury. He thought that they were going to pat him on the back and congratulate him and give him all kinds of accolades for doing this. Um, instead, they, they took a vow to destroy him and to make sure that this news did not get out. Um, you know, thank God he was the kind of man who just continually persisted and, and didn't make sure that the sound, and sound got out and the news got out and that dentists all over the world uh, began to get a good education on the toxicity of mercury. Right. And then he taught how to properly remove the mercury, because like any other toxic material, you don't just go in there and just rip it out. I mean, anybody who knows anything about asbestos knows that if you have a building that is full of asbestos, you don't just send in your everyday carpenter in there and start ripping the walls apart. You just don't do that. It has to be taken out a certain way. Yes. Uh, for, it's, for, true uh, for, yeah, it's true for mercury also. Yeah, for asbestos buildings, I know they seal the whole building, don't they, so the, the, um, the asbestos dust can be uh, contained. So the same sort of principle happens with the removal of amalgam fillings? Correct. But yet asbestos is nowhere near as toxic as amalgam is. Okay. So I went out to Colorado and I wanted to study with Dr. Hal Huggins. At that time, uh, Dr. Huggins used to take blood from every dentist that walked into the classroom. He would take a blood test? It was very strange. He would take our blood. They would take three or four vials of blood out of our arm. We would learn about mercury for three days, three solid days, and on the fourth day, he would make a little uh, cute remark about how we're going to look at our blood chemistries, and he was going to, quote, show us how sick we really were as dentists. And I, I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. And so my blood te was the first one to come back from, you know, this is Colorado Springs General Hospital. So this is a reputable place that was doing the blood chemistry test for us. My blood came back, and Dr. Hal Huggins put it up on a huge screen and then said, Ooh, we got a sick puppy here. Whose blood is this? And I very squeamishly raised my head. Oh, it's mine. He says, Oh, we got a sick puppy here. Yeah, we had a sick puppy. Hey, he says, so Blanche, how long have you had cancer? Excuse me? Where do you see that? He says, well, they circled it in red. As a matter of fact, they circled it in red several times. And the, and the hospital did. They wanted me to see. But I had 1% metablastic cells. So <laughs> I had no idea what metablastic cells were at that time. So I just uh, tongue-in-cheek said to him, well... 1%, that's not a high number. And he said, that's true. He said, but 1% you're sick, 2% you're in the hospital, and 3% you're dead. Mm. And I thought, my gosh. So here I've just been given a diagnosis of cancer, which I didn't even know I had, but I did know that I was sick all the time. 
Um, and then what really shocked me, and remember, this was a course about mercury and how to properly remove mercury. That is all we talked about for three days. Suddenly, he looks at me and he says, So, Blanche, tell me, just how many root canals do you have in your head? Huh? Wait, wait a minute. I just met this man. How did you know I have root canals? Uh, I have five. He says, good. He says, you're going to get them taken out, aren't you? I said, hell no. I'm also a New Yorker. So forgive me. That's the vernacular we use. Hell no. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to take you. You're kidding me. You're crazy. I said, listen, I have 32 teeth, and I plan on going to my grave with 32 teeth. And he gave me this little smirk, and he said, yep, that's exactly what you're doing. And he turned around and walked away, and I thought, I'm not sure if I've been insulted or not, to be honest. And so he had my brain going full speed ahead. Yeah. And it took me, yeah, the next month I went back, and um, I was so upset when I came back from the mercury course, when I realized how many people... How many thousands of patients had I poisoned with mercury fillings? I was just sick to my stomach about it. And I, I wound up closing my practice immediately. My husband was very upset. He said, you know, what are you doing? He said, uh, you know, you can't just close your practice. I said, yes, I can. I said, I can't work, so if I can't work, I have to close the practice. He said, well, why can't you do something else? I said, very simple. In 1982, they didn't teach dentists how to put white fillings in back teeth. I didn't know how to do anything else. And so because I didn't know what to do anything else, I couldn't do anything else. So I had to close my practice. Hmm. And so I closed my practice. The following month I went back, and my husband was convinced that Dr. Huggins gave us the bad news in the first course, and then in the second advanced course he would give us the good news. Right. So I, I was very um, excited about going back the next month to get the good news. And the next month turned out to be all about root canals. All right, let's just explain <laughs> what they are for people who don't know what a root canal is. It's, they okay. basically take the, the living matter out of a tooth, don't they? They take the main batch of living matter out of the tooth. That's an important distinction. Um, when you look at a tree, you've got the main bark is up the middle of the tree. But the tree is made up of literally billions and trillions of branches and smaller branches and then finally twigs. True? And all of those branches and smaller branches and twigs have living tissue inside of them. So if you were to clean out the main bark, the main trunk of the tree, you would be doing absolutely nothing for the side branches and the smaller branches and the twigs. And so as it is with a root canal tooth, the dentist removes the main nerve inside the main canal. There are literally billions of accessory canals that run off towards the side. They go this way, they go that way, then there's millions of little canals, and then there's billions and billions of trillions of even smaller ones that we call just dentinal tubules, really teeny, teeny little ones. And so if you could look at a, a, if you could look at a tooth with special glasses that allowed you to see the whole structure of the tooth, it, 
it would it would look like a sponge with that looked like a tree upside down, but it would look like a tree. That's really what the tooth is like. And so when a dentist does a root canal, they take out the main nerve, they clean it up, and they fill it, usually with a rubbery material called gutta percha. Gutta percha, some people say gutta percha, depending on what part of the world you're from. Mm-hmm. Gutta percha is a, is a rubbery material that comes from a, a tree in Africa, some rubbery tree. It used to be a board question. I used to remember the name of that tree, but not anymore. Um, and the gutta percha in it of itself is really not that harmful. But when you mix it with cement that contain formaldehyde and phenol and other caustic chemicals that are designed to fix the tissue, then we run into trouble. Now, what, is, what do I mean by fix the tissue? Anytime something in nature dies, it will rot, disintegrate, and fall apart. Mm-hmm. We all go from ashes to ashes. Our humans go from ashes to ashes, animals, plants, everything that is alive on the planet eventually goes to ashes. We fall apart and we disintegrate. If you use a chemical called formaldehyde or a chemical called phenol, you can actually fix a tissue or stop it from degenerating. And the, and the first to use that, of course, for the Egyptians, they would uh, dip phenol into strips of gauze and wrap the bodies of their pharaohs in it, and that would mummify the body. And so then, you know, archaeologists would open up their tombs thousands of years later, and the bodies still there. That the tissue had been fixed, a little dehydrated, but, but the body is still there. So that's the same thing with a root canal tooth. When you put these chemicals inside a root canal tooth, you are fixing the tissue, keeping it from rotting away. And so then, that's a wonderful thing. It actually does something that everybody wants. It keeps the tooth in the head. But it goes against everything that nature wants to do. Nature wants to get rid of the tooth because it's dead. If you had a scab, Eventually, nature would want it to fall off your skin. If you had a dead nail, nature would want it to fall off. In fact, if you have a dead tooth and you do nothing, you don't have a root canal, eventually that tooth would literally fall out of your head. Hmm. Well, That's the... nature. Nature wants to get rid of something that is dead. And, of course, we don't want missing teeth, so we, we, use, we, use, right. we resort to these therapies. What, what's the alternative? The alternative, unfortunately, is extraction. Okay. Something that is dead should be removed so that then the socket can heal. And now, yes, we're missing a tooth, but at least we're healthy. Yeah. If you had a, if you had a black toe, suppose you had diabetes and you had a black toe, and you went to the doctor and said, hey, doc, take a look at my black toe. The doctor would immediately say, my gosh, we have to cut that, that toe off. Yeah. Why? Because the doctor doesn't want the infected tissue, the infected microorganisms and the toxins from that dead t- toe to enter into the rest of the body. So you're better off without the toe and have a healthy foot than you are to keep the black toe. 
Well, can we talk briefly then about cosmetic dentistry? Because as I said in the introduction, it's very important for people's well-being, for how they feel about themselves, self-confidence, that they have a nice smile. And I know that's very important in America, at least the image that's presented um, in movies and television. So what's the alternative? I mean, can we have prosthetic replacements in our mouths that are safe? Okay. Absolutely. There are many movie stars, and I don't know if I legally have the right to call their names out. Um, There are many movie stars that wear full upper and lower dentures. Okay. And sometimes partial upper and lower dentures. There are many, and they look absolutely beautiful. And they're healthy and still alive and, and still acting into their 80s. Is there a safe crown? Yes. There are three safe crown materials. The first one that I, I love and I highly recommend is, is a material that is, is 100% plastic, polymethylmethacrylate. Nowadays, you hear, when you say the word plastic, a lot of people get scared, too. They go, oh, bisphenol A and all the problems from plasticizers. But, but there are hard plastics and there are soft plastics. This plastic is a very, very soft, hard material and it does not come off in the body. So uh, this is a, is a very good material. It's called Pelio. P-E-L-I-O. My, my second choice is something called diamond, diamond composite crowns. They are absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. They are very, very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my third choice, if I was to go with a ceramic crown, it would have to be a ceramic crown that did not have high levels of aluminum. That's not so easy to find. There are a lot of beautiful ceramic crowns out there being produced by dentists, many of them being produced right there in their office, very high in aluminum content. So the only s- a, uh, ceramic crown that I would put in anybody's mouth is, is something called zirconia, which comes from the metal zirconium, but it has been literally transformed into a crystal. Yeah. And it's a crystal with an incredibly very small amount of aluminum. So I'm okay with zirconia. So you're really talking about non-metal alternatives here, all the way. Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. And get rid of anything right. that's that's dead in your mouth. Correct. So when somebody Having comes to you, mouth. when come when somebody comes to you for a, a dental checkup, what what do you do in mm-hmm. a dental examination? What are you looking for? Well, I look for the same things that a conventional dentist looks for. We do a periodontal screening. We look at the gums. We do a, uh, a cancer screening. We look to see if they have cancer anywhere. And then we look for cavities. We do the same thing that any other dentist does. Yeah. It's our treatment approach that's very different. The examination is, is pretty much the same. So most dentists, for instance, wouldn't do a blood test? Oh, that's correct. See, now that's where the biological dentist comes in. Because a biological dentist is one that is that is has a lot more advanced training, um, is trained in nutrition, is trained in homeopathy, is, is trained in reading blood chemistries, and a biological dentist is one that is very concerned with every material that they put in somebody's mouth and how it's going to affect the whole body. Hmm. So there's a there's a very lot of similarities between biological and holistic. A holistic dentist or a biological dentist. But there's a huge difference between a holistic or biological dentist and another dentist who says they're just mercury-free. Mm-hmm. 
That's somebody who just simply does not use mercury in their office, but they don't have the training to look at a hair analysis, look at blood chemistry, to see where the patients are today, and to get to, you know, you not only have to remove all of the toxic materials from somebody's mouth, but then you have to get them on the road to recovery. Can if we... you were to just remove the material from somebody's mouth, you're not helping them much. That's very much like a fireman who would come and put the fire out in your house um, and then pat you on the back and say, you know, have a lot of luck, have a lot of luck with this one. Yeah. You're building this house. Right? Yes. You, need, you need both. You need, you need somebody who's going to put the fire out, get rid of what's dead, get rid of what's toxic, and then help you to restore not only the mouth but the body. Now, in your case, you, you mentioned earlier that you had this cancer of 1%, um, right. and you had the root canals. You had them removed, I'm assuming? Correct. What was... I had 18 mercury fillings. When I, when I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, New York, anytime somebody gave you a dime, uh, 10 cents worth of candy was a lot of candy. So you went running to the candy, local candy store and bought as much as you could fill in that little brown bag. Um, so I had lots of fillings when I was a kid. And so I had lots of fillings as an adult. When I finally uh, decided to have my own work done, it was just about two months after I had met Dr. Hogan, um, I had all 18 fillings removed, and I had five root canal pieces uh, removed. My leukemia disappeared in three weeks. More, for me, more importantly, my brain fog disappeared immediately the next day. Your brain fog? And people all my brain fog. In other words... I, I had difficulty as a child. I was put in remedial reading classes because I could not read a sentence without going back to the beginning. I could not read a paragraph without having any comprehension about what I had just read. Yeah. And I had that my whole life, which is why I, I decided to become a music major when I was in college. Um, I was a musician at first. Um, I really had a hard time reading. And a very dear friend of mine convinced me that dentists don't read. He says they're smart people, they memorize a lot of stuff, but they don't really read. And I thought, really? Is that true? He said, yes. He said, so even if you can't read, he says, you could become a dentist. And he was absolutely right. I did become a dentist. I was able to memorize tons of stuff. I still had trouble reading. I had trouble reading a journal. And so after I had my first quadrant of amalgam fillings, now with the Huggins, what we call now the Huggins Groovy Protocol, it's imperative that the, the filling with the highest negative electrical charge be removed first. It's imperative that that be done properly. If that mo- filling is removed first, you get a disconnect in the brain of that electrical charge to your brain. So even though I still had three, three sections of mercury filling, even though I still had fiber canal teeth, the very next morning, after one section was removed, the very next morning, the brain fog disappeared, and I could read for the first time in my life at the age of 42. Wow. Sounds Not only could I read, I was a speed reader. Just... I was so happy. I, I went running to Dr. Huggins, and I said, I don't even care if the cancer doesn't go away. I'm so happy. I'm going to spend the rest of my life reading. And he laughed at me. He said, oh, don't be silly. He said, the cancer's going to go away also. <laughs> Right. It's, a, it's a wonderful story, and I know we could talk for a long time, but just in closing, can we run through some general health practices for our, our mouth, for our teeth and gums? For instance, how many times a day should we clean our teeth, and with what? 
a minimum of twice a day. If you can, three times a day would be better. After each meal, you should be brushing your teeth. A minimum of in the morning before you leave for work or school and at night before you go to bed. And the simplest thing for you to brush your teeth and the most effective is salt. Is now what? you want to get fancy, you can add salt and baking soda. Salt, okay. So baking soda, which is an right. old-fashioned remedy, I've heard people whiten their teeth with that as well. But uh, some Absolutely. people say it, it doesn't damage enamel? No, it does not. Straight. No, that's why you can use baking soda on all your countertops. You can use it everywhere. It does not damage enamel. Uh, what what about mouthwash? Are there pros and cons for that? There's absolutely no purpose to that. With the exception of rinsing with salt water, warm salt water if you have a bruise in your mouth, if you've just had surgery. Other than that, there's absolutely no purpose to mouthwashes. Uh, the most famous on the market is something like called Listerine, and I think it's been shown to kill microorganisms for all of 34 seconds. That's not a long time. Well, it's, a, it's so if you have bad breath, you have a reason you have bad breath, and you need to get to the reason. You either have serious periodontal disease or you have stomach problems, you have digestive problems. Something else is causing the, the bad breath, and you need to find out what it is. Can substances like tea and coffee, I know they will stain your teeth, but will they give you bad breath as well? No. No, they will stain your teeth, yes. Right. Don't get me started on coffee, because coffee messes up your whole metabolism for 24 hours. And what do we do after 24 hours? We go and have another cup. So you'd leave that alone? Yeah, leave the coffee alone. Everybody would do themselves a huge favor if they just gave up the coffee. Now, is flossing good? Flossing is excellent. Okay. Flossing is good. Oil pulling is very good. I'm so happy that a lot of people now are doing the oil pulling with coconut oil or sesame oil or even olive oil. And if you mix coconut fat, coconut oil with baking soda, it's excellent for removing stains in the teeth and brightening the color. Excellent material. Now, you it's mentioned simple. you mentioned um, eating candies or lollies and when you were young. Sugar, obviously, is the culprit there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the number one culprit is, is sugar, sugar, sugar. And I'm talking about white sugar. You know, the, the stuff that makes candies, chewing gum, soda. Um, you know, I travel an awful lot. And I am just absolutely appalled at how many people order Coke on in, on the airplanes. <laughs> you know, it's just like, wow, everybody's doing Coke. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and then you wonder why they're not feeling so good. Listen, if you're going to have children that are going to be eating candy, at least after they've eaten the candy, give them a multi-mineral because sugar depletes the body of minerals, and that's how they get decayed to begin with. Uh, not just in their teeth, but in their bones and in their whole body. So if you give them a multi-mineral, an extra little extra multi-mineral, it kind of makes up for the little binge that they had eating candy. Of course, you're not going to be doing that every day. But uh, on certain holidays, and, you know, here the holidays are coming up, and people are going to, um, you know, indulge. You know, make up for it with a little bit of extra minerals and extra brushing of the teeth. I've been speaking with Dr. Blanche Gruby, who runs a dental clinic in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and she practices the Huggins-Gruby Protocol, an integrated system that incorporates multi-safety factors to enhance immune recovery. 
Her practice is devoted to providing education and alternatives to dental materials and practices that may be connected to a variety of health issues. Thanks for listening. I'm Graham Wilson, and all of us at Wellbeing wish you well.